One thing I can't stand is a famous drunk. But I mean they tear my stomach. Neither to themselves or anybody else. She's got the shake, see? So she has a drink to get rid of them. That one tastes so good, so she has another one. First thing you know, she's stinko again. You gave me my first drink, Johnny. Oh, so it's all my fault now. Everybody has their first drink, don't they? But everybody ain't a lush. If I'd known you was going to act this way, I wouldn't have come here. If I'd have known what you're like, you wouldn't have been asked. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Welcome, everybody, another episode of Movie Sucktastic. This is your host, Scott. Uh, Joey is not here, unfortunately. Now, I know everybody listened to the last episode. Joey's back, but Joey's still going through some hard times, and we got to give him some space. Now, he was doing well. Everybody heard the last episode. Joey was fine, but uh, then apparently he was uh, watching movies one night. He was with somebody... Uh, and they were watching, uh, what was it, The Fifth Element, and then that blue lady comes out, and I think it triggered a like a, a flashback of some kind. He started flipping out, running all over the place, screaming, Jake Scully, Jake Scully, Sky People. It's a, it, it, was, it was a bad relapse, so, you know, we had the... He's been strapped down, sedated, taken care of, and he's 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 made it. You know, he's coming back a bit stronger, but he's not up for doing podcasts regularly. So I'll, I'm filling in a bit, and that's why there's a slight delay. You know, it is, you know, hunting him down, get, you know, getting him out of the woods, getting him somewhere safe where he can be helped. It takes time, but uh, I'm here, so have no fear. This is uh, August the sixteenth. Uh, I was going to do this the 15th, but I didn't have time. So what we're looking at here is the newest episode of Movie Sucktastic, and we're here to talk about the weekend of the 13th, 14th, and 15th, men versus women. It's been it was a big weekend. There was a lot of there was a lot of uh, clashing here. There, there was the battle of the sexes in the box office, and ladies and gentlemen, the guys won. That's right. Uh, um, I we need some kind of music here. I need need tough guy music. Something. Something manly. Hold on. I'll, let's go with maybe this. Because, uh, I mean, now, as everybody knows, there were the two big releases this weekend were The Expendables, the all-star macho cast action film, and Eat, Pray, Love, uh, the ultimate Oprah book club chick flick movie. So, uh, here we go. Yeah, let's get, let's get some... Uh, uh, a little... Uh, Manly music going here. Just a little. Some men. Real men stuff. So yeah, so you got chick flicks versus the action fl- flicks. And there was a lot of contention. A lot of people online saying, guys, you got to go in the fucking theaters to see this. Don't don't download it. Don't bootleg it. Pay the $8. Pay the $15. Go see it in the theater and, and muscle out the eat, pray, love. Now, and of course, you're dealing with the double factor here because if chick flick, if the girl's going, the guy's going. So you're dealing with uh, trying to get double your numbers against the date crowd. 
And it was, uh, there was, I honestly, I wasn't that hopeful. I didn't think we'd do it. But we lucked out. Uh, I don't know if it was luck. I don't think it was luck. I think it was dedication. So, this weekend we had the Expendables and Eat, Pray, Love, and the Expendables came out $35 million, uh, roughly. Uh, I'm rounding up or down. I don't give. A, I don't care about the actual numbers. So we're looking at $35 million for that. Eat, Pray, Love, 23 12 to $13 million ahead. It beat it out. We, you know, Julia Roberts eating gelato, World Cruise, it's all wiped out. The men won. Explosions and bullets beat out sympathy, feelings, emotions. It's it's a beautiful day for men all across the country. It's like you can you can smell the testosterone kind of percolating. It's it's a we're, we're ready we're ready for a comeback, guys. We're you know no more of this uh, wimpy shit. We're here. We're here. We're here and we're ready to to take it by storm. So, I don't know if that music's really manly enough. Uh, not sure if that's what that kind of effect I was looking for. Um, now, I was lucky enough to see a double feature at the drive-in this weekend of The Expendables and Predators, which uh, <clears throat> was, you know, it was a mixed bag, really. And the, now, let's talk about The Expendables for a second, because we're, we're talking about... Uh, you you, you got to look... Now, Here's the deal. Here's the perfect example of the difference between a chick flick and a guy flick. Here's the here's the brief synopsis for Eat, Pray, Love. While trying to get pregnant, a happily married woman realizes her life needs to go in a different direction. And after a painful divorce, she takes off on a round-the-world journey based on a memoir by Elizabeth Gilbert. Now, it's, you know, a little in-depth, a little story here. What's The Expendables? A team of mercenaries head to South America on a mission to overthrow a dictator. That's all you need to know, guys. That's it. I mean, we we're already dealing with we're already dealing with like the catalyst uh, for Eat, Pray, Love. What she wants, what happens to her, what she decides, what she's got to do. With the guy flick, it's mercenaries, South America, overthrow a dictator. Who, where, what? That's it. Everything else is just bullets and brains, folks. Uh, Screenplay by Sylvester Stallone, co-writer Sylvester Stallone. You got an Oscar-winning screenwriter on the screenplay. Now it wasn't that bad either. I mean, the now obviously all-star cast. You got Sylvester Stallone. You got Jason Statham. You got Jed Lee, Dolph Lundgren, Eric Roberts. Love to see Eric Roberts back in films. The uh, the more and actually this is great because Eric versus uh, Julia, the the more talented brother versus the less talented but more successful sister. And finally, Eric Roberts comes out on top for a change. About goddamn time. They got Randy Couture, Steve, uh, Steve Austin, David Zayas, and it all kind of, you know, the, everything else sprinkles on down from there. Honestly, I don't recognize a couple of these guys by name. I just, you know, you see him, oh, I know that guy, but the name didn't click. But Jet Li is always great to see an American film because he doesn't have the best luck choosing American films. I mean, the one was a great concept, and that kind of blew. And uh, Jason Statham, of course. Actually, he, uh, whenever Jet Li and Jason, Jason Statham get together, the film usually sucks. The one wasn't that good. And then you had War, which was a great concept, but it was just poorly executed. Um, and Jason Statham really had has had to gain a little bit of faith back from us after uh, the Transporter 3, which was a complete fucking waste. And, uh, man, it's just balls-of-the-wall action in this film. And I know it's got its soft spots, too, you know, because you... You got Jason trying to deal with the whole idea that his 
his girlfriend left him because he goes on these long missions and he can't he can't tell her he's overthrowing small nations with a group of ragtag mercenaries. You don't tell that to a girl. You just gotta say I'm going away on business. So, you know, she can't wait for him, so she finds an abusive guy to hook up with. Then you got Stallone dealing with his own problems. And there's, there's now there's romance in the film, but it doesn't get in the way of the plot and the action. Wish the same could be said for Predators. Uh, and oh, you know, um, let me backtrack for a minute. I know I kind of launched into this real quick, but I figured, you know, it's, it's the, the motivation here, the whole idea. Is just, you know, don't hold back. Just get in there and get the job done and get out. So, you know, why dick around with the little mamby pamby stuff? Just here, here's what's going on. Here's what happened. Here's what's out. So, Expendables. Uh, Dolph Lundgren. I was shocked to actually watch a movie in which Dolph Lundgren was like decent. He was he pulled it off. It's like the director knew the limitations of these actors, and Jet Li, they gave some lines, but not a lot, because his English still isn't up to par with, like, maybe a Jackie Chan. Uh, so they kept the they kept the dialogue low, and they kept his dialogue mainly humorous, because when you're dealing with kind of stilted, you know, broken English lines, from doesn't really speak the language that well, you're, it's going to sound funny no matter what to most American audience members. So you try to keep it humorous. So Jet Li's dialogue is mostly humorous, you, yeah, they left the hard-hitting acting to the hard-hitting actors. Uh, then you have that whole... Uh, now, I, I haven't done my research on this, but I'm pretty sure this is the first film that has Stallone and Schwarzenegger in the same scene. I could be wrong on this. I'm racking my brain and I'm not coming up with anything. So that whole the whole scene of the church where Bruce Willis is given the lowdown on the job, uh, Schwarzenegger and Stallone have their little Pacino De Niro moment. And uh, I'll be honest, as far as heat went, how you know the big deal of heat when heat came out? This scene delivers ten times more than the whole De Niro Pacino heat scene in the diner or the airport restaurant, whatever the hell it was. Definitely delivers more than that. Uh, Mickey Rourke uh, makes a little guest appearance in there as a tattoo artist, which is kind of a weird, or I guess an artist all in general, which is kind of weird, but just a, a great, just fun movie. Uh, they do not hold back on the explosions or the guns. Uh, just Fucking balls to the wall, folks. You, you gotta check it out. It's great. Uh, Eat, Pray, Love I didn't see, but who gives a shit, you know? I think we've all had enough of Julia Roberts for now. Um, maybe we can just knock the shit off and give her, let her have her take a break. None of this Oprah Book Club crap, too. Everything's gotta be a memoir about soul-searching and stuff. You know, how about let's go back to like the men's novels where everything's about overthrowing small dictatorships, uh, taking violent covert ops secret missions from CIA heads. And, you know, the great thing about the film, too, is they, you know, just... Bruce Bruce Willis is in there for, what, two minutes, three minutes? Schwarzenegger's in there for a couple minutes. Mickey Rourke, maybe five minutes tops. More dialogue, you know, all dialogue. It's just great to have... You know, they just got everybody they could and squeezed them in this film. It, was, it wasn't, like, a, a big over-the-top... I mean, as far as budgets go, I don't think it was that crazy. I think it was... Uh, I'm correct. It was under $100 million? Uh Not sure about that. Uh, I, I don't have a budget listed. I'm not sure. But, I mean, definitely not... You know, it's definitely not, like, Transformers money involved in this film. So, but I mean, there's there's money involved, but it wasn't over the top shit. It, you know, not you know any CGI in there is really just for the action scenes. They're not. It's they really kept it less of a over the top blockbuster summer hit, and kept it in the range of an homage to the action film. 
you know, everything from you got the the plane with the guns, you got the automatic shotgun, gr- ex- grenades, explosions everywhere. And near the end, it also kind of holds back a bit on the violence. There's some blood in the beginning, and then there's like a long period where there's action and there's violence, but not too bloody. And then at the end, it just pulls the ripcord and says, "Okay, now we're just going to have body parts flying everywhere, and we, you know, we're going to stab people in the throat and twist the knife." It's, just really lets loose in the last half hour. Definitely check out the Expendables. It was uh, it really earned its opening weekend and uh, kicked Julia Roberts' ass. I, I think the only thing that could have been better is if we had gotten like four or five of these. No, I can't say that. It's kind of violence towards women. That's not right. Uh, can we get can we get a shot of like Julia Roberts crying? That would make me happy at least. Just Julia Roberts just sobbing because her her, her brother actually did better than her for a change. Uh, and, and Eric Roberts plays an awesome bad guy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with lots of his stuff in the past because he really gets kind of downplayed a lot. But he he plays a kick-ass bad guy, and you know it's a bit of the cliche bad guy where it's you know well, we do this why because it's evil. But I guess sometimes you need that. You know, I, I was a bit down on the losers before because of the evil bad guy. But I mean, when you're I, I guess when you're dealing with the whole cliche of mercenaries that are you know have a moral code. Then their their enemy really has to be someone who has no moral code or has the opposite of a moral code. It's an anti-moral code where they purposely do things that are evil. So maybe I was a bit down on that. I mean, I, I, the the whole A team thing had been kind of fun, and so after watching the losers with that, I just you know maybe maybe I was a bit too harsh on the losers. Uh, I mean, I, actually, this has been a good year for action films. The losers was great. The Expendables was uh fun a team was good i mean there's really this was a good action year and not over the top blown richard bay kind of action we're just talking middle of the road uh when i say middle of the road i'm talking around a hundred thousand million a hundred million as opposed to like two or two two and a half hundred million and if i could pronounce the numbers properly i wouldn't sound like a complete idiot uh i mean as far as the rest of the weekend goes, the other guys did 17 million. Inception still holding strong. Two and a half, two, 250 million for Inception. Excellent. Now Scott Pilgrim was the big uh, letdown. Only did 10 million this weekend. Uh, I think they were really hoping for a huge turnout for that. I mean, I thought it looked trailer looked fun. I want to I want to see it, uh, but it just didn't happen. And I'm I'm wondering if it's because of the over stylized. Uh, action or now you can look at it and say well it's too campy or it's too bizarre or it's too weird and it's it's too like video game comic booky stylized and I, I think we've proven in the past that that people don't mind that when it's done well and people actually enjoy that and I gotta tell you right now I can I can guarantee the reason this film didn't do well and usually I don't like it when people blame the the performance on films solely on one individual but I'm telling you, a lot of people, myself included, are getting pretty fucking sick of Michael Sarah, Sierra, however you want to pronounce the name. Uh, a lot of us are really tired of seeing him in every other film. And, and there's a lot of guys this year that are really worn out their welcomes. And they're really just, every third film's got them in it. And it's just, uh, uh, please, take a break. Stop overloading us. Michael Sarah's near the top of the list right now. Everybody's fucking tired of him. I'm fucking tired of him, too. I like him. I think he does good work, but Jesus, every other fucking film, I gotta watch this guy whining? Nah, you know, it's enough. So, 
I think we could probably blame that solely on Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, you destroyed your own film. Ha. Uh, and I, I have a correction. I think I have a correction from a couple episodes ago. I mentioned Zombieland and mentioned Michael Sarah. It wasn't Michael Sarah. It was the other guy, the Michael Sarah Light. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. So, I mean, that's that's the big news this weekend. Uh, the guys win. We we rock. We we tore it apart. So that's that's it for that. I mean, I, there's only so much I can praise a film. I mean, I mean, it's not perfect too. There's some cheesiness to it, but it, it's sometimes you gotta take a little cheese, and it, especially with action films. No one expects action films to be 100 percent realistic or be really deep in plot. Uh, but I mean, but you do have standards when it comes to films, despite action or horror or what have you. And that would be why I'm going to now totally dump on Predators, which was part of the double feature I saw. I mean, talk about a good double feature. They really lined it up. It was Expendables and Predators. I kind of wish Predators had been first, because then you can leave on a good note instead of leaving thinking, wow, the first film was great, but I just wasted an hour and a half. A lot of people leaving the uh, drive-in halfway through Predators. A lot of people giving up on that one, and uh, I can't say I blame them. Now, from the get-go for Predators... I was against Adrian Brody in the lead. A lot of people were. And I've got to tell you, I was fucking right. Come on, really? I mean, it, it was horrible, horrible. He, I mean, uh, now, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert on this one. It's been, around for, it's, it's been around for a while. I'm not going to ruin the... Now, let's be fair. You know how this movie fucking ends. You really know how this movie ends. From the beginning of the film, you know how it ends. There's a reason why a lot of people were calling it a remake of Predator. And then Rodriguez would come out and go, no, 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 it's, it's really a, it's a proper sequel to it. And we're ignoring... Now, they put, this is what I love. You've got to pay attention to this. When Aliens vs. Predator 2 was in progress, and you go back to our podcast about those, we were talking about that, the makers were saying, yeah, what we want to do is we want to correct all the mistakes that Aliens vs. Predator made. So Aliens vs. Predator 2 is almost like a remake because we're doing it right this time. So we're going to, you know, and, and of course, Aliens vs. Predator 2 was a huge pile of shit. It sucked. It was horrible. It, um, I would say it wasn't as bad as Aliens vs. Predator, but it really was not good. It had a lot of flaws and a lot of horrible shit. And they repeated a lot of the mistakes that happened in all these films. So with this, Rodriguez comes out and says, no, no, this isn't a, this isn't a remake a Predator. It's the proper sequel to Predator. So Predator, ignore Predator 2, ignore Aliens vs. Predator, and ignore Aliens vs. Predator 2. Now, first of all, I'm tired of people dumping on Predator 2. Predator 2 was not that bad of a film. It was a logical extension of the concept of the first film without repeating the same setting. The whole now, I mean, and, and think about it. Everybody, you go to Predator is a huge hit, and what happens? The whole film takes place in a jungle. So what do they do with Predator 2? So, well, we can't, we can't put people in the jungle again. They're going to get bored. We're going to do the same thing. Let's do something different. So they put him in L.A., and instead of uh, mercenaries, it's drug dealers, and the street crime is high. So the, that kind of parallel there, and how you know, L.A. is kind of like this you know, concrete jungle, and uh, putting up against the cops, too, and the Predator. You know, that made a bit more sense. It was kind of cool. I honestly, and I thought, I thought, I, it was really a fun film. I, it had its flaws. Every film from the eighties and nineties had its flaws. They, you know, it, the eighties was not a great time for movies. Let's be fair. I mean, even the good films kind of sucked. Uh, 
with, with, with some exception, with very few exceptions. But Predator Two does not deserve the flack it gets. So you know, screw Rodriguez for bad mouthing Predator Two just because it's easy to the dump on sequels. No, and and again, uh, when filmmakers start dumping on other films, there's uh, there's a gray area there. You really can't really do that. Uh, you you got to be careful with that, really. When Rodriguez comes, oh, we're just ignore the other sequels because they were bad, and this is a good one. Is it Paul? Paul or not Paul? Whatever. Uh, he uh, he really can't do that. I mean, all right, Mister Shark Boy, Lava Girl, whatever. I mean, you've not you not every film you made is a fucking gem either. So don't go trashing on Predator Two. Uh, I don't feel so bad about him trashing Aliens vs. Predator One and Two, but still, you've got to you've got to keep that line when you're a filmmaker. So, his whole idea is this is the proper sequel to Predator. You know, this is the proper one. So, what does he do? Well, he takes the I. We put him in a. He puts us in a jungle again. Now it's okay for him to do it now. You know, how many years after the first film? Twenty years or so, because it's been twenty years. So you know, we're we're ready for another jungle movie. And the last three f- sequels haven't involved the jungle. So he can do that. But you can't criticize Predator 2 for not being in a jungle because if they had done it in a jungle, everyone would have said enough with a fucking jungle. So the basic plot for Predator... Uh, well, And again, here's, here's your one-line synopsis, fresh from IMDb. A group of elite warriors are hunted by members of a merciless alien race known as Predators. Which is already bullshit because they're not known as Predators in the film. They're not the aliens aren't known as any name in the film. They're just known as you know those things that are trying to kill us. So automatically you have you have a, a synopsis is full of shit. Uh, now I mean, and I'll admit Adrian Brody's a great actor, but I hate the son of a bitch. I hate him for winning an Oscar and then immediately doing Diet Coke fucking commercials. I hate him for King Kong. I hate him for and I hate him now. Now I hate him for this too. So I'm really racking up the hatred for uh, Adrian. The opening scene of the film. Uh, is, uh... Oh, do I want to talk about actual scenes from the film? No, because the scene, the opening is actually kind of cool. I don't want to ruin that. But all I can say is, I, if, if the whole movie had been that brutal on Adrian Brody, it almost would have made up for the shit he put me through at King Kong. Uh, now, they... But you know the basic plot. You've seen the, you've seen the commercials. The whole idea is, uh, that Adrian Brody and a ragtag group of random people from across the globe have been kidnapped by predators and dropped onto a, their islands. Uh, their, sorry, planet. This giant game-preserved planet. And it's now all of them against the predators. So let's break down the basic plot concept here first. In the first predator, the predator comes to our planet and hunts humans because that's what you do. I mean, that just makes more sense. Like It's going to... It's like a big game hunter goes to Africa. So the whole idea is predators come to us. It makes sense. Predator 2 followed the same thing. So I think Predator 2 is right in line. Um, so they're, they're, the assumption is that they go all the way to Earth, which has got to be a fuckload of miles away, light years, what have you, considering the that, the that we don't know about any planets near us that could support a fully functioning jungle game safari. So they travel all the way here to pick up some people, and they don't even pick up like one group of soldiers or one group of people with guns. They they grab one person per continent, roughly, 
and drop them and bring them back. So they, so they're really putting a lot of effort into just picking up something to shoot. And uh, and it also begs the differ or begs to question if uh, all these guys that they grab are really ca- badass characters to begin with, are they actually taking the time to do profile the profile of these people? I mean, are they treating them like animals and just just grabbing them and throwing them in a cage and bringing them to this planet, or are they actually spending weeks and months finding the best of the best and isolating them during during uh, actual combat? It makes no fucking sense, people. The the effort that they would put into this just to bring them here to kill them, as so they can even just breed their own. I mean, so why wouldn't they just steal a whole platoon? Why 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 would that? Uh, no, we need to. Here's the and so, but this is where the film falls apart right from the get go. Is that we we don't want to have a whole platoon of people. So uh, the same kind of guys. We don't want Ameri- you know a whole platoon of American soldiers, a whole platoon of Russian soldiers. So we're going to grab a diverse, eclectic group of personalities and characters. And it's like the it's it's your whole wild bunch, uh, seven samurai, uh, magnificent seven kind of scenario. Let's get all these different people together. Let's uh, assemble a, a group of interesting, diverse personalities and kill them one by one. And uh, all of the characters in the film, if Adrian Brody was not in this film, I wouldn't be that down on it. All the other characters they had, you've got the, the, the uh, L.A. escaped convict, or San Quentin, I think. I think San Quentin escaped convict. You've got the uh, Yakuza. you got a Mexican drug runner. you got got um, freedom fighter from uh, the Latin countries, I believe. Uh, you know, there's all these, and they're all really good characters. But then you have Adrian Brody, and here's the problem. Here's where Adrian Brody falls apart. Uh, where the movie falls apart with him is uh, he spends the entire film talking like this. Uh, you get a car- you get a guy like Adrian Brody, who's this big scrawny guy uh, with like you know a hawk beak in the front, and there's really nothing tough about him. So he's got to talk like this the entire film. And yeah, I wish he'd stop shooting at us because it's the wrong people. Yeah, you know, we have to go. Well, how the fuck do we get off this planet? You want to play school? You want to you want to play uh, Boy Scouts? Fine. If you want to get out of here, follow me. It's like this through the whole goddamn film. And after the first five minutes, it gets really fucking annoying. Because Adrian Brody's not a tough guy. He's, he's, he's uh, Christian Bale's Batman voice, less irritating than Adrian Brody doing the rough guy all through this damn film. And that's not if that's not bad enough... We also have him now, he's the voice of reason. Adrian Brody's the sole guy. He comes into the deal, and off the bat, he's the, he's the, the he's one of these guys where the minute he walks into the room, he's the leader of the group. He's the most rational. Everybody kind of gravitates towards him. No one really argues with him with the whole, uh, well, why, why, you know, why should we follow you? What do you know? How do you know that? You know, and so not only does everybody kind of like follow him instinctively, he knows everything. He's the first person to figure out which way to go. He's the first person to figure out that they're, uh, that that they're not kidnapped by this or that. He's the first person to figure out that they're on a game preserve. He's the first person to say that you know figure out we're on a different planet. We have to get off. He's the first person to figure everything out. And the the character arc for him is virtually non-existent. The whole I it's 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 so fucking pathetic. The whole basis is uh oh yeah you know I, I'm I'm a predator and I survive 
And you know, if if they're weak, you know, if someone's wounded, we leave them behind. And I, you know, you leave the weak people behind. And then at the end, of course, the big twist is probably. You know, and again, I'm not ruining anything for it's spoiler, fine spoiler, but I'm not ruining anything for you. It's so fucking blatantly obvious after the first ten minutes of the film that he's going to go to leave, and then he's going to come back. And it's it's a huge ripoff of um, Pitch Black. I mean, when I say huge ripoff, it's not like Pitch Black was that original anyway, but the, the whole ending plays like Pitch Black really does. And uh, Adrian Brody just sucks balls in this film, let's face it. I, w- I, I would have rather seen Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, now, the director, whose name is um, um, Nimrod, ironically, uh, apparently chose Adrian Brody specifically, and his, his rationale was that if they had chosen a big muscular guy, then people would have complained about the comparison to Schwarzenegger. And, of course, no, they wouldn't, because it's a action film, and that's the whole point. I mean, it's, and you've got Topher Grace in the film, too. So you've got, like, somebody that kind of breaks the mold. And Topher Grace, by the way, excellent. Topher Grace is excellent. Uh, Danny Trejo is excellent. Everybody in this film is excellent. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne is uh now um I, am i correct on that because sometimes i get the actors mixed up and then joey joey will listen to the podcast and he'll come back and say scott you know you called him lawrence fishburne and it is lawrence fishburne thank you very much you know fishburne's in it uh, but i mean everybody's excellent everybody really like sells a, a fun performance yeah not necessarily you know oscar winning but fun entertaining uh just to get you in the moment Except for Adrian Brody, Mr. And I and I've seen Adrian Brody act. He knows how to fucking act. But for some reason, this film's not cutting it for him. And you know, and I, I could go further and break down more lo- logic problems with the film, but some of them would be spoilerish. And I mean, I just sold you the big one. Automatically, the premise of the film is a fucking joke to begin with. Uh, it's 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 almost it's it's almost like Saw meets Predator, which. I honestly, I didn't even think of that till now. It really is like Saw meets Predator. Seven people together. Why are we here? Are we being tested? What's going on? And they had to figure it out. Except instead of elaborate traps and a really intricate plot, it's just more predators and running through the jungle and setting booty traps. Um, Adrian Brody just sucks balls in this, and it's and it's it's like the writing too. It's almost it's almost like the writers. Uh, Mr. Alex Litvak and Michael Finch. Uh, ironically, uh, I was reading how Rodriguez had originally the people thought he was going to direct it, and then he came out and said, "No, I'm only writing and producing." And then, I, and, and like, and then I read other stuff that says, "Oh, well, you know, it's um, uh, it's it's based on a story idea that Rodriguez had for it, so he's gonna he's gonna need to." Uh, you know, and they didn't take it back then, but they took it now. So Rodriguez, it's his idea, and he sold the story on everything. But I'm not seeing Rodriguez listed in the writing credits. I've got, I've got Finch and Lit- Litvak. Lit- I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correct. And then you got the people that you know, the original screenwriters in the first film, of course, because you get a credit for that. Because the same, you know, you mentioned characters, the predators are the characters, basically. But. If, Rod- if this was Rodriguez's baby from years ago, and he finally sold it to them, and he took it under you know Troubleshooter Studios, why isn't his name listed among the writing credits? Unless either that was all bullshit, or I mean, and 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 and, and folks, these day and age, if you come up with an, a concept and you sell it, and they and you and five other people rewrite it for the film, you're getting the credit for concept. 
The WGA is really hardcore on that. If if some idea of yours makes it in that film, you're gonna you're getting a writing credit. Especially now, again, but uh, oh, that's right. Rodriguez was uh, actually kicked out of the Writers Guild, which might be why he didn't write it. I think that was probably bullshit too. He did, he didn't write it because uh, uh, that. That's right. Uh, that was that whole debacle with Sin City, where he uh, no was that the Directors Guild though? No, that was the Directors Guild. So there's no excuse for it. It's bullshit. I didn't research this enough. It just occurred to me now. But uh, I, I call shenanigans somewhere in here because if this was his concept and idea, he should have a writing credit. And he doesn't. There's no writing credit here for Rodriguez, uh, which might serve him well in the future when he tries to actually you know, sell himself on his, his writing career because this sucked. And the writing is decent when it comes to the other characters in the film. But whenever the movie floats towards Adrian Brody and the bullshit love interest situation because of course there's only one there's there's one woman soldier in the group because there has to be and of course that's going to be a love interest for Adrian Brody because it has to be and every time those two get together the the whole movie just drags down so, oh well, five more minutes of uh of mild banter back and forth as they they probe each other's characters and and she tries to draw the humanity out of him and he tries to explain himself to her and and I'm sorry uh in the Expendables, and it's great, bookending these films together really helps illustrate how sometimes something works, sometimes it doesn't. In the Expendables, after the big opening sequence, they they got the you have the mercenaries heading home on the airplane, and one of them, I forget which guy, is reading. Uh, I forget what the book was, but he's reading a book on the plane. The whole idea of yeah, here's a here's a hard hitting guy, and he he reads books, which is kind of alien to a lot of people these days, and that totally sells fine because they downplayed it, and it's not a big deal. In this. In Predators, there's a scene where they're talking about, you know, oh, you know, you're just as bad as the aliens and this and that. And Adrian Brody quotes Hemingway about, because uh, hunting man is the greatest hunt of all. And he quotes Hemingway, I'm not sure which novel it's from, and totally does not work. There's no, this is where you're supposed to think, oh, so he's a thinking man as well as a cold blooded killer. No, it's bullshit. I mean, what, you know, what, 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 you know, always quoting Hemingway. What the fuck? That, that, that's as clever as the screenplay gets folks it's really uh i mean i wouldn't even the thing is i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend not watching it because as far as if you like bad movies there's enough good parts in the film that the film's enjoyable and the bad parts are laughably fun uh for instance the fact that adrian brody is kept completely covered uh with heavy padding and armor through the majority of the film so when the big reveal at the end comes and you know it's obvious that they, you know he, he was training for this because at the end when they finally strip him bare, he's he's like etched, his muscle. He is etched like uh, just concrete ab tight everything's musc- musculature, uh, just it, you know you can tell he's just ripped. He's just fucking ripped. But as ripped as he is, and this is, this is obviously why they did it, as ripped as he is, it, it takes you about three or four minutes of him running around bare-chested and greased up to to really sink into you that I don't care how ripped Adrian Brody is, he's still not big and bulky enough to take down a fucking predator. And that's where and that's the big joke of the whole film is that it really... You, you notice halfway through, it's, it's like that kid from uh, um, uh, Spy Kids where in the third one, 
they 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 put him in all that armor with the big neck thing, the neck uh, collar, so you couldn't see his neck or shoulders or anything. Because I guess he he really like, bulked up from a little kid. And they really they were just trying to hide the fact that his body had developed so quickly because he was still playing like a twelve year old. And it's it's kind of like you know it's it's like uh, Annette from the uh, Disney from uh, Mickey Mouse Club wearing the sweaters, and you got you got to pad the sweaters a bit more because they're developing. A- Adrian Brody, they got him, they got him covered in the, the padding and the armor through the whole film, and halfway through you realize that they're hiding his body, and they're hiding his body not because they have to hide it through the whole film, because they really know they've only got about a five minute window of credibility before the audience starts laughing at the fact that this guy is. Uh, you know, re- capable of taking down these these huge beasts with a fucking club or something, and you know it, he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. And and again, here's that's the problem too. You 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 want to you want to take away Arnold Schwarzenegger character and bring in somebody that's it's you know thinner and or you know not the same body type. It's less believable. He's going to take out you know. And also another problem too. I'm sidetracking, but it's because there's two kinds of predators now. Which is always the oh you know we we had to create a new breed and this breed's bigger you know bigger and badder than the old breed and it's bullshit it's just another example it's like it's like it's like the alien dog from Aliens three it's just, you know really I mean they're not they're not crazy and insane hard to kill as it is we got to make a new one now that like looks like a dog and we have you know, oh. It's it's like it's like Blade Three. Oh, we there's a new breed of vampire more powerful than the old vampire because killing vampires wasn't hard enough in the first place. It's just like the the, the the they feel the need to ratchet it up one more level, and it really just falls apart. Uh, so I mean, I there's only so long I can I can rant against this. Uh, uh, you know, long story short, Predators sucked. Expendables was good. Now, uh, we're coming up to about 37, 38 minutes here. Um, I wasn't going to do this now, but I think I have to. I think I think it's an imperative. Uh, we got some reader mail in, and I think I'm going to read it to you. I think, I, th- I think we're going to share some reader mail. For those of you who listened to the last podcast where I reviewed Twilight... Was that the last one? For those of you who listened to the podcast where I reviewed Twilight... Um, I put the challenge out there. I said, you know, the Avatar fans have been, you know, ruthless in their criticism of my criticism of their lovable film, and the Twilight fans had been very, very silent, and it was kind of like, you know, I thought you people were really devoted, you know, Team Edward, Team Jacob, I thought you guys loved this show. I, I, I demanded, challenged, threatened, uh, I, uh, I, I requested hate mail. And people that disagreed with the show, and uh, nothing came of it. And I figured not. And then a couple of days ago, we got some uh, hate mail, and uh, I love hate mail. Send it in; it's great. I mean, it, it shows we're pissing. Bad movies. It's like when you criticize somebody's film, a lot of people it pisses them off because it's like it's like a personal insult, and it shouldn't be. You know, you should be subjective. You know, uh, all taste and art and entertainment is subjective, and it should be that way. But some people are just too narrow to uh, see it that way. So I'm going to read the email uh, without commenting on it. It's, uh, we need a dramatic uh, reading here. Let me, uh, let's see. Uh, I need some kind of Twilight music. Uh, all right, Bella's, here we go, Bella's Lullaby. Let's let's just put this onto the background here. I'm just going to play it back here. I'm not going to overlay it or anything. Little uh, soft Twilight music. And here's the, I'm not going to give the email away. It's not, the letter's not signed. Uh, here is the 
for the, the title of this email is Twilight Does Not Suck. Alright, and dramatic reading. Twilight Does Not Suck. Okay, oh, and um, there's no real, there is no actual punctuation. No, there's punctuation, but there's no capitals in the entire email, uh, all three paragraphs. So it, I got a feeling that the, the teenage girl who wrote this was really thinking of it as one really, really lengthy text message. So just kind of a, kind of a thing that's text. Everything's spelled properly, which is an odd thing. The spelling's not bad, but it's just there's no punctuation. It's all lowercase i's, that kind of thing. Um... So here it is. Twilight does not suck. Okay. So I don't even listen to your podcast. Podca- All right, I got to start again. Ready? Twilight does not suck. Okay. So I don't even listen to podcasts or anything like that. But a friend of mine told me about this bullshit site. And so I listened to like two of your things and found that you guys are as stupid as she said. Why would you ever try to make a site about bad movies? And then why would you review good movies and say they're bad and bad movies and say they are good? And why would you say that Avatar fans kidnapped your friend, too? Avatar is about loving people for who they are, and no real Avatar fan would ever do anything so mean. You guys probably didn't even watch the Twilight movie. I mean, it's about Bella's struggle and nothing else, really. They just made it with vampires so it would be more interesting. She is just a teenage girl who is insecure and doesn't know what she wants. They made the vampires good-looking because who wants to go see a movie about love that's all full of ugly people and i have no idea who that other bella you were talking about is but she would be glad to have her name and used in a modern vampire movie seriously you guys need to get a life actually thinking about movies and not just saying whatever stupid ideas pop into your head about them if you did that maybe people would actually go to your website and listen to your podcast i already told all my friends never to go to your site or listen to that crap because I know it's stupid, so there's a whole bunch of people you drove away with being stupid. I hope this makes you think about what you do in the future. Email unsigned. So, there you have it. There's our first official pro-Twilight fan mail, or hate mail. And, uh, I'm not sure if I need to respond to it, really. I mean, there's, a uh, Oh, there's a lot I could say. There's a, I could start making fun of the person, too. I mean, obviously it's a... Uh, I, well, let's not say obviously. Let's say I hope, I hope for the sake of our country and the, the adults that run it right now, that the person that wrote this is in their late teens, um, probably trying to get their driver's license and uh, texts more than they read anything. Um, I mean, there's really not uh, much to argue on. Uh, factual, factual wise, I, I, think my, I think the thing I love the most is that they had no idea who Bella Lugosi is. Uh, and think it's a woman. That's fine. Um, they also probably don't know too much about the books because she claims that they made the movie with vampires in it, so it would be more interesting. Which uh, I'll give you that. But they also made it with vampires because the book has the vampires in it too. Um, the the seriously, you guys need to get a life part. I can't argue with that. That's not that's not debatable. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is a, it's a fun email. I wish we were getting more like this. I wish I, I could, uh, avatars about loving people for who they are and no real avatar fan would ever do anything so mean. I, I, I had had, I got avatar fan hate mail, uh, calling me retarded, um, 
accusing me of uh, doing sexual things to my keyboard while writing my review, um, which, I, I mean, I've done that, just not while writing that review. That's that's other stuff. Um, uh, questioning my intelligence, questioning my uh, heritage, uh, questioning whether I should be allowed to write. You know, they're really, really mean stuff. Uh, and this was this was before my first review too. This is this was the one where I didn't even call Avatar bad. I just kind of questioned, you know, was it really that good? This is before I, you know, I was really sold on the whole idea that Avatar really fucking sucked. Um, and you know what? This nice little Twilight doesn't. Oh, but and 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 if if uh, well, that's the funny thing because I'm reading this email and I want to say uh, thank you for sending it, whoever sent it. But she doesn't listen to podcasts and she only listened to a couple of our things. And she's not going to listen again because she's not going to listen for our uh, update. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record a separate dramatic reading, and we're going to post it separately on the site. So, if if anybody in here knows who wrote this email to us, you can point her to the site uh, and listen to my dramatic reading of it. Actually, or maybe I can just get a 12 year old girl to read it, and uh, that would be good. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, there'll be a dramatic reading of this up by the end of the week. Uh, so. There you have it. The, the Twilight fans have spoken, and I must say, not that impressed. I was expecting something a little bit more, something with a little more teeth. If you, you know, if you get my drift, something a little bit harsher, something a bit more uh, passionate, not just whiny. This is more, and this I think this was like a teenage girl, more whiny than anything else. I, I, I don't know what I expected from Twilight fans, um, but there you have it. And and since Avatar came up in the email, I think this is a perfect chance just to um, close with uh, Scott's Fuck You of the Week. And Scott's Fuck You of the Week is the James Cameron for being a complete douchebag. Now, if you go to our Movie Sucktastic Facebook page, I just posted this article today, and uh, I'll probably try to post it on the main website before I hit that sack tonight, uh, after this is edited. Um, apparently James Cameron was doing an interview for, I think it said Entertainment Weekly. I could be wrong. Uh, this stuff bounces around a lot. No, it was Entertainment Weekly. I don't read that shit, but this came across my desk. Uh, during the interview, they were talking about 3D and 3D films. And James Cameron, wisely, speaking of filmmakers talking about other people's films, wisely decided to bring uh, ex- his ex-wife's Oscar award-winning film, The Hurt Locker, into the discussion. Uh, James Cameron, in, during the interview, says... Uh, this is my James Cameron. Uh, what kind of voice would James Cameron... I think... No, nah, that's, that's just childish. Uh, James Cameron says, I think The Hurt Locker would have been better in 3D. Absolutely. It wouldn't have been hugely better in 3D, but I'm talking a future where you don't have to put in 3D on the movie poster anymore, the same way you don't put in color on posters anymore. So, uh... Yeah, um... Cameron thinks Hurt Locker would have been better in 3D. Uh, he thinks it would have been a better film. The quality of Hurt Locker, the Oscar-winning film, Best Picture of the Year, uh, a couple other Oscars too, I believe. Um, off the top of my head, Joey will fill me in. He'll tell me where I forgot. Uh, would have been much better if uh, they had made it 3D. Uh, and then, of course, uh, he went on. And there's a lot of, uh, when asked about, because I, th- I think the interviewer did bring up the whole idea of, yeah, but uh, Hurt Locker won the Oscar and you didn't. Now, put yourself in the position of someone who is a filmmaker and had a film up for an Oscar, and their ex-wife had a film up for an Oscar, and, and the ex-wife's film wins. 
Now, someone brings up the topic. Oh, her, her film won and yours didn't. The gracious thing to do would be to say, well, she had the better film. She made the better movie. And it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's tough competition, but when it comes down to it, her film was superior to mine, and, and, you know, and I congratulate her on that. That's what somebody with a soul or any kind of human uh, inkling as to what normal people uh, say... That's something a real human being would have said. What James Cameron says, however, is uh, it was David and Goliath. Goliath had made more than a couple of billion dollars, and the Hurt Locker had made about what it cost to shoot, about $15 million. The Academy always likes to be the great equalizer, but I don't begrudge her for any of that. I, wouldn't think, I couldn't think of a better outcome for our lives. I got my Oscar, she got hers. <laughs> what a fucking dick. What a dick ask james cameron you are a fucking dick wow can you can you get just 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 the balls the balls on this guy it's not good enough that he's got this billion dollar fucking epic that for some reason people are just loving it's not good enough that he's won oscars in the past he can't just say oh she made the best film he's got to make it political what he, what if what he's saying is well Really, I mean, her film didn't make that much money, <laughs> and uh, and you know, you know, it's it's the Oscars. They they like to pick the little guy, and so they they pick they picked her over me because she was the little guy and I was the big guy. You know, but but really, it's okay because I already have an Oscar, so she can have this one. She can have this one. What a douchebag! If I if I was her right now, I would I would go to court and try to up my alimony. Fuck him. Fuck you, James Cameron, you sniveling piece of shit. How fucking dare you? J- couldn't just say it's the better film. Couldn't just play the high road. Couldn't couldn't act like you have any modicum of decency in your fucking shriveled up narrow soul. Fuck you. I think I've earned the mature rating for this episode, by the way. I but so you know, let's wrap. Yeah, I, I think it's a nice, it's a good way to wrap up the episode with a hearty fuck you to James Cameron for being a douche. And actually implying that your ex-wife's Oscar-winning film only won because it was the the lower-budget uh, Davy versus Goliath political choice for the Academy. I got news for you, James. Avatar being nominated for an Oscar Oscar was a fucking political move because they had they bumped the slots from five best pictures to ten best pictures. Avatar didn't deserve on that deserve to be on that fucking list, and you fucking know it. And even just pretending that you were even even pretending that you were actually in the running for a best movie Oscar is a fucking joke. Fuck you. Uh, a little passion on that, I know, but I, I just really had a. And I know I know a couple of listeners who don't like it when I say fuck, and uh, I'm I'm sure they're very mad at me right now. And, and uh, um, I'd apologize, but uh, you know, fuck it. Uh, so that this has been the weekend episode of. Uh, August 16th weekend episode, actually. If I get the date in there, you'll actually know what the time period is. Uh, coming up, it's going to be reviews for some other stuff. This is about as much as I'm planning at this point, so screw it. Uh, but I'm, I know I'm a little behind, so I'm going to try to crank out some more this week. Maybe I'll do... I just got Mother, I just got mother in the mail. Uh, the Korean film, Mother. About the, uh, the mother. No, it's like a mentally handicapped kid gets railroaded by the justice system, so this mother tries to find out who the real killer is. Uh, Art House kind of foreign film. I just got that in the mail. Maybe I'll review that. Uh, just rewatch Runaway with 
um, Tom Selleck. The the uh, that's the film that Michael Crichton made right after Looker. She's a looker. And after Runaway, there was like a huge gap between that and Jurassic Park. So I, I think I could devote a whole half hour to Runaway. That's some funny shit. Uh, but no, I've been actually been watching a lot more lately, so I'll definitely try to crank out some just solo reviews in the near future. And I will be getting up with Joey together. There is a bad. Uh, we're holding another bad movie night at Joey's abode, the uh, the Guida the Guida Estate. That will be coming up, I believe, in early October. So I'm hoping we might try to do a live podcast from there. Uh, the last time we did that was a bit wanky. If we don't do a live podcast, we'll probably just record like a party podcast. Uh, in the meantime, we haven't chosen the film yet. The show there, uh, we might actually show we might actually show some Bela Lugosi films because my book will be out by then. Uh, performed by Lugosi by Scott Wilson. That's Michael Wilson. And that should be hitting Amazon by the end of August, early September. The links will be on the site moviesucktastic.com when you want to. And when you go to moviesucktastic.com, you can listen to all of our podcasts streaming, or you can download them. And we have links there to download the podcast from iTunes, from Podcast Alley, and from Podcast.com. If you're listening to this show from our site, I beg of you, I beg of you, check out iTunes, Podcast Alley, Podcast.com. If you like the show, you like me, if you like Joey, if you like what we're doing and want us to do more, do us a favor. We're not asking for money. We're not asking for a compensation. We're asking you for just to go to these sites, go to iTunes, go to Podcast Alley, go to podcast.com, and rate and review us. Give us some stars. Give us a review. You know, if you're a Twilight fan, give us a bad review. Tell them that we're stupid heads. That's fine. But just, you know, give us some feedback. Put some feedback there so other people know to listen to us. And while you're there, check out some of the other shows that they have there. I know as far as movie shows go, I really recommend uh, Outside the Cinema. Those guys kick ass. And I listen to them whenever, uh, I'll be honest, I don't listen to their live episodes because I don't dig them. Uh, I, I prefer my shows a little bit more, bit more production value, which is why I'm doing this. Um, but, you know, check us out, give us a review, give us a rating. And from moviesucktastic.com, you can also email us. Our link is there to the movie guys at moviesucktastic.com, which is where we got this lovely Twilight fan email. Uh, you can also find our Twitter feed. The link for the Twitter feed is there for Movie Sucktastic, and the link for our Facebook page is also there on moviesucktastic.com. And you can also find my personal author website, which is smichaelwilson.com. You can find that from moviesucktastic.com. So moviesucktastic.com is really your one place to go for everything involving moviesucktastic.com, which really makes sense, doesn't it? Um, that's all the plugging I'm going to do for now. Um... Um, and also in the very near future I'm going to start doing my guest podcast about Bela Lugosi films i got to start cranking that down because the book's coming out in a month so i really got to start getting my shit together with that so uh, thanks for listening in guys um, hope, uh, hope hope I convinced you to go see Expendables and keep eat, pl- eat pray love <laughs> I hope I have convinced you folks to go see the Expendables and keep eat pray love out of the number one slot for the remainder of its run and to keep expendables high and dry above julia roberts and her gelato tiny spoon eating ass and uh if you're not going to see either of those go see go see uh the versus the world movie uh go see michael sarah you know give the guy a break i i know i'm 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 tired of fucking seeing him too but come on i'm scott uh what the fuck is it scott jackson scott oh killing me. I got 8,000 things. Scott Pilgrim. Go see Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I mean, just give it a step. You know, and there's a Scott in the title. 
any film that has Scott in the title deserves to be seen. I really think so. So if you're not going to go see Expendables, you're not going to see Pray Love, you know, have some sympathy for my, have some pity on Michael Sarah. I don't know if he deserves it, but he deserves it a sure about a hell of a lot more than James Cameron does. So this is this is your this is your pal and mine, Scott at Movie Sucktastic signing out, and just reminding you that James Cameron is a big fucking douchebag. Have a good night.